to the one in five. We're all about the joy of rural health. I'm Abel Baker. I'm with my buddy, Adam Rinshaw. Yo. Yo. Did you know 20% of Americans live in 97% of America's landmass? Blows my mind. Our goal is to share the struggles, joys, and lessons learned while working toward healthy whole communities and to have a blast as we do it. Sounds impossible. But it's not. This is not your typical health podcast. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you have a blast with us as you learn a little bit too. So what's up? What's on the menu today? Well, today we're going to be with Jenny McPherson and Dr. David Mark, who is a CEO of a rural community health center. And we're going to interact, Abel, in sort of some fun and serious ways around themes like... Yeah, technology. What about technology in a rural health context when it comes to healthcare? We're going to hit subjects under that heading like... Um, How do we use tech without sacrificing the provider team and patient relationship? Also, we're going to visit this question. What does the Uber concept have to do with rural health? And then finally with tech, you're going to hear a little bit about something called telehealth, which is in no way related to Teletubbies. We're also going to talk about care reimbursement models. In other words, we're going to talk about moving away from the pay-per-visit model and moving towards the quality of care model. Awesome. Well, um, to begin with, let's go into one of these fun interactions with Dr. Mark and Ginny McPherson. Is this the would you rather? This is the would you rather, and this is a fun one. It has to do with ducks and horses. Horses. I don't want to give too much away, but (laughs) it blew my mind. Um, Ginny's a genius, so... Here we go. Jenny's going to lead us right into this, would you rather? I'm excited about today. Okay, what do we got? Then we are too. (laughs) Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck? Or 100 sized horses, duck sized horses. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> okay, one more time. <laughs> Would you rather fight one horse sized duck or 100 duck sized horses? I, I just want to, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the big duck because <laughs> you could probably saddle that thing up, right? <laughs> or ride it bareback or featherback. I don't know what it would be like. You have to break it first because he wants to fight you. Well, not necessarily. Most ducks are of, of pleasant demeanor, in my experience. Mm. Or they just run really? from you. Yeah, geese are, are the scary. ones that kill me. Oh. You, you need a poultry whisperer in your family. In that <laughs> yeah. That would, it's, it's called a crock pot. That's Winston. He, oh. he likes to eat the ducks. Oh. Um, I'm still thinking about this. I don't <laughs> I, know. I like many horses, too, though. You, you like a, True. And if you had a whole gaggle of them. A whole gaggle of in there, like... Yeah. They'd be so cute. It'd be hard they to probably fight. wouldn't fight you. They'd probably. I wonder what the neigh would sound like coming out of those mini horse <laughs> mouths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like would it be in unison? That'd be really creepy. A hundred duck-sized horses. Man. Now, did you say be attacked by them? Fight them. Would you rather fight one? Horse Do the horses duck? talk like in Gulliver's Travels? Oh, that'd be creepy. Probably not. So or I think Wizard I'd, of Oz. I'd take on the horses with a. Yeah, I don't want to tell you what, how I would do it because for our <laughs> listening audience, that's not a good idea. But I, I definitely have an idea of what I would do. You would go after mm. the hundred. Similar horses. way that I would, you know, use my mower to pick the leaves up out of the yard. Kind of was what I'm, <laughs> you know, of course, having a bagger would help. But I'm just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't avoid violence here on this one, guys. Okay, because this is if you could, if you could, if you could subdue the horse-sized duck and bring it to 4-H fair, you know, grand champion, hands down. And it could. I didn't think about the monetary aspect here. Could ride it in the air. You know, however, hundred. You got to think hundred. Yeah, little lassos. And what are they? Who's going to ride those? Oh, I will. Horses. I'll I mean, try at least two. Because I just saw <laughs> I just saw a funny video on on Facebook about a corgi that would ride a pony at night. It would sneak over into the to the Aww. neighbor's yard, and he would hop on the back of the pony and sit there. <laughs> Seriously, you guys got to go look at it. It is so stinking funny. And then the the family comes out with flashlights and and their video cam their phone cameras, you know. <laughs> and and the, the the pony just takes off like like. What are you guys doing? This is our time <laughs> we have together. <laughs> I wonder if the corgi's like so, having its wolf genes firing, but then when it gets there, it's like, why am I here? It's like, I eat dog I food, do not horse. Sitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the wolves are just like, oh. So, I mean, what, what, could, what could ride those little duck-sized horses? How does horses? get on the horse? I'm sure my daughter would try to have I'm sure there's a little the ladder. Do it. Or stairs. The corgi? That's oh, cool. I think he how just jumps he, right up. How does the corgi jump? I don't know. That I thought the same thing. Maybe they was they were right next to a fence too. So maybe just oh. like did a little ninja move and. Wow, well, I think we've pretty much wore that one out. So that was. <laughs> oh, did we I was get everybody? About it because of the visual, like this giant duck or these tiny, tiny. Ones. Yeah, the tiny ones. It's like That's some the stuff of out of the Twilight Zone. Narnia is what I was thinking. <laughs> That was pretty good. That was, was. <laughs> not going to lie. That was fun. But now we're going to get into more of a meaty portion of this, and we're going to revisit some of those themes we talked about at the beginning of the episode, right, Emil? Yeah, and I think um, almost everybody is going to find some of this interesting. Um, personally, I really love what he uh, has to say about technology. I, I love technology and I love looking into the future and, and trying to yeah, get a picture know. of it. Yeah. So we know uh, you're, you're like a <laughs> Miss Debbie. Yeah. Uh, what is Miss Debbie? You know, that lady that reads people's palms for oh, quarters. I, to <laughs> I totally thought you were talking about little Debbie. Oh, little I Debbie. Love. No, those are the cakes, bud. Oh man. Cakes. <laughs> By the way, if I like technology, I would say that I like Little Debbie cakes pretty much just as much as technology. She, what about Miss Debbie, though? Yeah. Okay, we're just going to write that. I'm just going to let you run with that one. Yeah, let's get into this. Okay, here comes our deep dive with Dr. David Mark. 
We're here for a deep dive with Dave today, and we're going to talk about the state health plan. Dave, you want to give us some insight into that? I mean, I could, yeah, sure. I could probably say that. we Last week, we went to Miles City in Glendive, um, and we presented, did a presentation about our organization for state employees because... Yeah, we the state of Montana is um, is unique. They have the largest self funded health insurance plan um, of any state government in this country, and what that means is they <clears throat> they work with a what's called a third party administrator, and they um, offer health insurance to all of their employees. Um, and as a part of that plan, about five or seven years ago a decision was made to create a bunch of state clinics for these employees. And uh, a company called Care Here out of Tennessee won that proposal, won the bid for the proposal, and they set up these clinics across the state where if you're a state employee, you can go and get care at that clinic without any co-pays, without any charges. Uh, and that was uh, really popular among the state employees for obvious reasons. In, in the bigger communities in Montana, that makes a lot of sense. So in Helena, where there's a lot of state employees, the Care Here clinic is real busy, and it, and it works really well. It's efficient. Um, similarly in Billings, And probably well-staffed as well. Well-staffed, yeah. They have a range of services. Typically just medical services, but it's still pretty robust. Um, they, they set up one of these Care Here clinics in Miles City uh, several years ago, but after about a year of operation, it, it was shut down. The state determined that it wasn't cost-effective to have that clinic there, partly because it was only open on a part-time basis. They had limited number of hours of operations, small range of services. And for the, for the, employee, the state employees in the eastern part of the state, it was really inconvenient and not something that worked for them. So they didn't use it very much, and so therefore it didn't generate enough um, business to, to make it worthwhile. So they shut that down two years ago. Since that time, we, uh, really beginning with Kent, um, speaking with, um, a woman at the, at the state have been exploring different alternatives that the state might consider as a way of providing care to their employees and, and the dependents of those employees who live on the Eastern part of the, of the state. So Miles City, Glendive, Sydney, and, um, and so we've been working with them to develop a plan where state employees can present to any of our locations in the east. So Ashland, which also has St. LeBray, uh, Miles City, or Colstrip, Colstrip for mental health only. And if, if you're a state employee and you're covered by this plan, you present to, we, we just worked out this arrangement with them. You come to any one of our sites and um, you will face no copays or have any issues with your deductible for any of the care that's delivered within the walls of our clinic. Does um, that include pharmacy? We developed a plan for pharmacy as well, where if you become a, a, B, a BVHC patient and you have a prescription generated by one of our clinicians and that prescription is filled at one of our pharmacies, either Miles City or Ashland, uh, you have no copays. Wow. So, so yeah, phenomenal um, sort of plan deal for the members of this plan and, and a real benefit to us as well. Um, and so it, 
um, we're, there's a lot of excitement now that we're sort of nailing down the details of this plan. It's going to go into effect on January 1st. Uh, it's going to be a pilot program for one year um, and really hopefully serve as a model for the state as they think about renewing their contract next year for that statewide um, version of this plan. So, uh, so hopefully this will be something that works really well for patients, works well for the state, works well for us, um, and that we'll be able to scale it up. But what's really exciting, um, and again, this by itself is really exciting. It, um, it is. I think it's going to make care more uh, accessible, more convenient, more certainly more comprehensive for all these state employees and their family members. Um, <clears throat> and it's going to give them continuity yeah. with, hopefully with the providers that they see, they're going to be able to have one person. Uh, the impression that I got was the old care here clinic in Miles City. Was, it operated about two days a week, correct? Yes. And there was a rotating sort of door of of doctors or medical providers that would come in and out. And so um, one of the complaints that we were hearing from those people was there, there was no continuity really in their care and they weren't able to establish relationships with their providers. And so for this, it'll be good for that, right? Because- They'll yeah. be able to pick who they want to see and they'll be able to stick with that person. Yeah. It's, you know, as we know, the relationship is so it's critical, you know, really the primary care is all about forming trusted relationships where you can, where you can, you know, get to know a, a single team, feel like they have your best interests in mind and have that be a, a relationship that's not going to change every year or every two years. Um, and so that, yeah, that continuity was a real big, um, big, big, important sort of selling point for everybody in this, with this model. I interrupted you though. You were about to say it was, there was something else that was exciting. No, I just, one it. of the, one of the things that's, that's really interesting from our perspective is that this is, so this is really driven by the need to have, um, more accessible, more comprehensive care for a certain group of, of, uh, individuals and their family members. And, um, and what we've developed is a different way of, of reimbursing care. You know, currently we're in this market where, where care is reimbursed on a fee-for-service basis. And that requires individuals to physically come to a certain place, have a visit with a certain person, and then that um, gets paid for on a claim-by-claim -claim basis by the insurance company. And, um, and that's, there's a lot of problems with that model. It really, it incentivizes some, some things that are not very good. It requires lots of travel. Um, and it, it doesn't sort of embrace the notion of a, of a care team providing care to individuals, which is really our model, an and integrated it, care team. And it's not really outcome-based, is that? And it's not outcome-based. And it's, um, yeah, it's this, it's this, uh, you pay for the number of encounters. Yeah. You're not paying for the quality of the care that's delivered. You're not paying for how the patient perceives their care or what happens. And in that system of, of reimbursement, there's very little room or very little incentive to, to innovate in terms of the way we deliver care. So one of the real practical sort of elements where we're going to do a lot of innovating with this model is uh, around telemedicine. There's a, there's a substantial number of, of employees, state employees who are in the Glendive area or even further east, further remote. So for them to physically even make the one hour drive from Glendive to Miles City, that's kind of a barrier. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to, we have this incentive now to develop 
uh, the technology to, to provide direct-to-patient telemedicine visits through an app on the phone. Or it could possibly be where we have a place set up at the DOT in Glendive. Yeah. A room where um, a patient can go to and connect with a provider or a nurse in Hardin or Miles City or Ashland or Lewistown. Exactly. And it's, you know, it, you know that we have pop-up restaurants, right? What about pop-up clinics mm. uh, where <clears throat> rather than, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a physical cl- cl- clinical team there providing care, but maybe they're the ones facilitating the electronic encounter to the team that's located somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of the app, though, even better. I mean, that's like, I mean, what do we all have in our pockets? right now or what do we carry yeah. on ourselves at all times is this cell phone and so if i could pull out my cell phone and yeah and connect with my provider and ask a question or even just send a message you know i understand that a video a video encounters probably not going to be at the top of unless someone's devoted to doing that in the clinic that's all they sit and do all day right is they are here's your here's your app doctor right today yeah and the, the, it it, pro, it poses to us the the care teams the delivery system some some challenges around how do we um, make the time and the space for these virtual visits um, and um, logistically how does that work you know you think about um, some other industries where that that's a challenge right think of transportation think of uber and lyft right you're you're, a, you're an individual, you want to ride from here right now. So you go on your app and you say, give me a ride. And there's technology that matches that real-time demand for services with a supply. And that supply is all over, right? It's not just people sitting in a room waiting for, for the call to come in. There. Yeah. And so similarly, if we have clinicians, our clinicians, our care teams working, you know, and, but then they have a no-show and they have an opening in their schedule and we have the ability to match a virtual client with that opening in the schedule, you can see how this would lend um, to a lot more efficiency in our system. I like it that. That's the uh, the Uber way to provide healthcare. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Uber. Uber healthcare. <laughs> We're here, how, here to lift you up. <laughs> how, um, in the context where we're providing healthcare in Eastern Montana, are there any problems that we that you've encountered that have required some ingenuity or um, problem solving that's been somewhat innovative and and um, that you would consider uh, you know maybe a story you could share where we we have encountered an issue um, where this service or this might work in some other context for whatever reason. But over here, we've we've um, solved it, so to speak, sure. and we're doing something. Yeah, I think it, you know it's it's a really the the sort of the fundamental issue with a lot of the challenges we face in the out here in the frontier is um, how to get needed services to people that are really isolated. And yeah. and one of the real success stories that we're finding is around MAT services, where there's a real growing need um, across our region for substance use disorder treatment. How do we help people who are struggling with, with addictions? And, uh, and we have some good treatment. We now have really good tools to use um, to provide care to these folks. 
Well, getting that very specialized care that's provided by our trained physicians and nurse practitioners and PAs, getting that care to people who are in the middle of nowhere or have a hard time making it even a couple miles because of transportation issues or, Mm -hmm. um, and with MAT, some of that is very intensive daily care, weekly care or Mm -hmm. monthly care. So we've, our teams have done a great job of finding, um, creative ways to use telemedicine so that, um, so that, you can we can minimize the the transportation barriers okay. to a lot of these folks, and I think that that that's kind of like this this archetype. It's a template for what we're trying to accomplish, which is matching you know community needs with how, how to how to do it in, a, in an innovative you know pragmatic practical way. Um, and so um, I think we 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 have a lot of ideas that that are ready to be tested and prototyped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Historically, though, there's very little incentive or very little, um, quite frankly, very little, how do we fund some of that innovative work okay. without a change in the, in the payment structure? Okay. So the state plan provides that change in the payment structure, gives us the resources to then say, okay, we, we have a contract. We, have, we know what the revenue is. Let's innovate. We Great. Have, exactly. So you've got some, exactly. some of that autonomy with this Correct. then, and that's part of the exciting aspect of of being able to innovate because sometimes we get maybe a grant or we will get something and there's some stipulations, you know, that, that we really need to meet, but, but we feel a little bit, you know, um, kind of tied down by them too. We're constrained by the deliverables. Yeah. It has to be done for a specific grant. Exactly. Wow. And you know, it, there, this co-evolution of the payment models and the delivery models will happen. And that's, what's going to accelerate sort of innovation. And this is the start of that. This is the start. Yeah. I mean, we get a flat fee from the state for, we could see three patients or we could see 300 patients and we can see three patients at six visits each or 300 patients at eight visits each. Sure. And it's the same we're reimbursed to the same amount. Correct. And the yeah. goal is, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, some people, you know, do want to physically come somewhere because a lot of their challenges are, you know, sort of born out of, you know, isolation and feeling lonely. But for a lot of people, they don't want to be burdened by having to go and have Correct. a visit. So, yeah, it allows us to sort of uh, accommodate people, meet them where they're at, and really have their 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 care in mind, not encounters. We care about how you're doing. Um I was listening to uh, a podcast recently and, and an ad came on from CVS and, uh, what they, what CVS was describing in this ad was, um, they call themselves now CVS health. So this is a pharmacy group that's broadening them, broadening out what they do and saying, we're going to make care convenient for you. We'll come to your home. We'll do televisits on your app. Hmm. We'll do all this. And, um, and Make no mistake, the, the, our healthcare system is evolving. We're going to be using technology more and more uh, in, in, you know, we're going to see it in all these different venues. But it will either come by groups like us that are innovating with the care of the whole community as our mission, mm-hmm. or it's going to be done by for-profit companies that want to make a buck and that see a big market. So it's coming, whether we like it or not. And part of our desire is to, is to get out uh, into this space, figure out how we can do it, do it well, be the leaders in it. And, uh, leading with that, what we talked about earlier, it's, it, this is not a replacement for a relationship. We use this technology to extend these relationships. 
CVS, they just they want to replace the, the they want to replace the clinician, the care team, patient dyad. They don't want that relationship to exist. Mm-hmm. They just want to offer a service and get a lot of cash for it. Hmm. For us, we want to use this tool to knit folks together, to to build community and to to grow health. So um, so our hope is that w- with models like this, with opportunities like this, we can we can continue to lead uh, into this inevitable future that's happening. Terrific. That's yeah. That's good. Yeah, I love the interaction with the social determinants. Um, I think that would be great for a discussion sometime where where um, we're going to be able to interact with those and that CVS model's really not interested Correct. in that. Well, so. one of the things about this is is we have a worksite wellness piece and that that's really aimed at addressing Yeah those social determinants of health um, aspect of this. And that's Danelle and Mel heading over and having chats with people and building relationship and talking about, Hey, should we, you know, looks like we should probably have a walking group or, you know, how can we reduce stress in the workplace and those types of things, which I really appreciate because they're aimed at um, reducing the number of clinic visits. Yeah. Well, Great. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Mark, for sharing with us. That was very insightful. It was. And now we want to move on to something that directly addresses a massive, huge, serious problem in healthcare. And brain tumors? Close. Maybe bigger. Maybe bigger. Um, It's, well, it's, it's, how do I put it? It's, Acronyms. Acronyms. Yeah. They're horrible. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, if you, if you're not prepared for it and you walk into this world, I mean, it's like they're speaking another language. So, it is a total, and especially when certain acronyms are actually words in and of themselves. And so yes. people are using the acronym as a word. Yeah. Like RHOP or HRSA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, so what we did in honor of that is we created a really big acronym to help you learn about these cool acronyms and what they mean. And this is an exciting part. So Adam, what is our acronym? It's triple A R C H A. That stands for Archa. Oh no, that was just me using it as a word. It stands for (laughs) the association of amazing and really confusing healthcare acronyms. Acronyms. No, I like how you said acronyms. Acronyms. So uh, uh, now, Archa, if that's a word, how would you use that in a sentence? I've gone to visit the Archa. And he, he's really accurate. I mean, he's, is that what you would say? No, you would say, I recently listened to the one in five and they had an Archa episode. Okay. And we don't want our listeners to be confused. It has nothing to do with bows and arrows. No, it's not an archer. I think we ought to just let them hear what we have today with Dr. David Mark. He's going to unpack uh, one of the greatest ones, at least that we interact with here. Archer. Archer. Rural health. Here we go. Adam Renshaw here for a triple A-R-C-H-A. That's ARCHA. It stands for, I will say it this time, the Association of Amazing and Really Confusing Healthcare Acronyms. And I'm with Jenny McPherson. Hi. Abel Baker. Hello. 
and Dr. Mark. Hi there. Awesome. So today, Abel, do you want to uh, yes. give us our thing yes. and then we'll guess? Can I give a, just a vignette, little preamble first Please. of why this one's personally I'm Please interested don't. in? Please don't. <clears throat> I'll edit out don't. So that's great. Um, let's say, you know, my first time coming to BVHC, and I shared this with you a little bit, you know, um, I'm like, oh. Is BVHC the Archa? Is that what you're saying? Or? No. Oh, you're Bighorn going so Valley sorry. Health I Center. Know. You know, uh, the, our model of care, I, I didn't know, so I came in and... And I'm um, receiving care, and then there's the doctor walks out, and then someone comes in and says, "Hi, I'm here to talk to you about your diet." And then there was other people that I talked to, and and it was like different than anything I'd experienced before. And so I had like this one idea of clinic or healthcare, and I was confused. Um, so my uh, federally qual. Oh wait, wait! I'm not supposed to say it, huh? <laughs> F Q H C. Not that bad. Not that, that bad. That was a bomb. F Q H C was you, something I had no idea what it was. But did you hear it quite a bit in these visits? Is that what? No, no, I didn't okay. hear anything. Okay. And I was. That's why I thought this would be beneficial. Is, um, I think that, I think that there's like this method. That somebody new wouldn't, if they don't know, they don't see it going on, but they, they might be trying to figure out what it is. So my question is, what is this FQHC? And then what about how we're doing it, if you can, is different. And then what do you, I guess, what do you guys think it stands for? Jenny. Fancy queen has cookies. Fancy queen has cookies? Mm. I'm just hungry. Okay, because I am now too. <laughs> but some for some reason, I want burritos. Oh, <laughs> freaky quiet. Whoa, holes compound. <laughs> okay, can you hear that, folks? That scrape in the bottom of the barrel there, just like me last time we were together. I don't even. I even got the letters wrong. Yeah. So. All of that. That's how confused we are. Sure. Doctor, can you yeah, yeah. help us out? So FQHC, Federally Qualified Health Center. And oh. You'll hear that term used so interchangeably Jeez, with CHC. Community right on the top oh, of my CHC. So those... And, yeah, and the interchangeable. They're interchangeable. But the, the, it gets a little bit more confusing because FQHC is a descriptor. It's an official term. It's used by two federal agencies, though, and they're kind of slightly different. So... Uh, CMS, another acronym, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, has a definition of an FQHC or Federally Qualified Health Center. And HRSA, HRSA, Health Resources Services Administration, has a separate definition. Okay. When we use the term FQHC, we're typically referring to the, the HRSA definition, uh, the Health Resources Services Administration definition, which really describes what you're talking about, Abel, in terms of a model of care delivery. Okay. The, the CMS definition of FQHC really is talking about the, about a payment methodology. Okay. Okay. So the, the FQHC is really that, that entity that was created in the mid sixties out of the uh, Johnson's war on poverty. Um, that was really started by these guys, Count Gibson and Jack Geiger, who went to South Africa and said, Hey, look at the way these guys do take care of really poor people. And they do it really well and they do it comprehensively. And they, you know, they address the whole big picture of health. 
They came back to the U.S. and they started a health center, an urban health center in Boston, uh, Columbia Point, and they started one in a rural one down in Mississippi, at, um, that, uh, down in the Delta. Um, and they used these two health centers as, as, a, as places to deliver this comprehensive, integrated, big picture care, uh, recognizing that you know, we're not gonna change health by just focusing on disease. And you okay. have to focus on the whole thing. And so that was really you'll the reactive QHC. nature of, of yeah. healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's referred to also as the movement, the community health center movement. And okay. FQAC is just a legal description of community health center. Okay. I like community. Wow. I like CHC. Do you? Well, it's one letter shorter. <laughs> so, but it also, the community aspect doesn't come out in FQHC. There's yeah. something about removing that word federal. Exactly. That makes it yep. feel more community. Yeah. Yeah. There can be comfort. a stigma associated with saying we're a federally qualified. And you know, some, some people abbreviate the acronym and just call it FQs. FQs. Thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the one in five. We hope it was an encouraging and enriching time and provided value for you. I just want to say that all of this is possible because of the support of Bighorn Valley Health Center. Our studio is located in Hardin, Montana. Again, my name's Abel Baker, and this is Adam Renshaw. And we just wanted to let you know that in the future, we're going to be utilizing this podcast for a number of different reasons. We're going to be talking about healthcare as a whole. We're going to be talking about whole health. We're also going to be using the podcast to talk about some some of the stories and some of the things that are going on within this organization. And we're going to introduce you to some of the people that work here and are really on the front lines of providing healthcare in rural communities. Not only the organization uh, that supports us, but we have several partners in and throughout Montana, uh, even beyond, and you're going to get to know them. Uh, I'm excited about that. But if you want to give us any feedback, we would love it. You can contact us at the one in five podcast at iCloud.com. Help me out, Adam. That's T-H-E, the number one, I-N, the number five podcast at iCloud.com. And listen, I hope you have a rural, healthy day. (laughs) 